Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. All right, well, hey, if you got your Bibles, turn over to, we're continuing with our series, The Good Fight in 1 Timothy. So um, turn over there to, we're in chapter 5, beginning chapter 5 today. And um, man, I, it's, it's amazing how, how God kind of, he, he's got, got a way of just, just organizing these services in a way that unifies them, even when we don't plan for it. And as you can see, my title for this morning is, We Are Family. And I think that that's essentially what Paul is trying to communicate to Timothy in chapter 5. And so if you catch your Bibles, flip over there. Um, we'll do our best to have some of the, some of the scripture on the screen. But um, man, he, he's communicating to Timothy, who is a pastor, over this church in Ephesus about how, how do we live as the family of God? And he's confronted the false teaching that was happening, how to, how to, how to go about teaching the truth, how to confront those that, that were propagating the lies. But then in chapter 5, there seems to be kind of a switch where, where he's talking about, okay, here's how we care for each other. Here's, here's how we love one another as brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers. And uh, just describes these family relationships that, that we'll get into talking about um, further. And so, uh, so in chapter 5, why don't, we just, uh, why don't we just read it all together first, and then we'll, we'll break it down verse, verse by verse, okay? So starting chapter 5, verse 1, says this, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having, and having a reputation of good works. For if she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and devoted herself to every good work, but refused to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry, and so incur condemnation having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. So, I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give, uh, and give the adversary no occasion for slander, for some have already strayed after Satan." 
If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. All right, there's a lot there in these, uh, in these, in these scriptures, but um, like, the, like the famous song of uh, 1979 by Sister Sledge, basically again, we are family. That's, that's, what, that's what I want you to know from, from this text this morning. We are family. And if we can frame our relationships like a family, then we'll understand how we are to treat one another. And so the first point, if you're taking, taking notes this morning, is that number one, we should honor one another as family. We should honor one another as family. So look in verses one and two. He gives instructions to four different groups. Okay, and you'll see, he says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. I love these scriptures, okay? Basically, these four groups, older men, he says, encourage them or exhort them as fathers. Younger men, treat them as brothers. Older women, treat them as mothers. Younger women, treat them as sisters. The point being, the way we see each other impacts the way that we treat each other. Just think about that. I'll say it again. The way that we see each other impacts the way that we treat each other. Okay, so let's take the first, first word that he says. He says, do not rebuke. Okay, I don't want you to misunderstand what he's saying. Because even later on in this chapter, we'll talk about it next week, he says that um, in verse 20, those who, those who uh, persist in sin, in verse 20, he says, um, rebuke them in the presence of all. Okay, and here he says at the beginning of the chapter, do not rebuke. Okay, so how do we understand that? Even in Titus, he, he communicated to them um, in Titus 2.15, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. So is Paul saying, don't rebuke flat out, don't correct anyone, okay, don't, don't correct anyone publicly? No, I, I, I can't say that that's exactly what he's, he's communicating here. Because if you look at the original Greek language, what you'll actually see of this, this word rebuke here at the beginning of the chapter is that's a different word than the words used in those other verses. And um, basically, he's, he's communicating how you go about correcting. How you go about correcting in the family of God needs to be done in a way that is honoring and respectful and loving, okay? Um, not in a way that is attacking, that's harsh, or that's humiliating. And that, that is what I think he's communicating right at the beginning of this chapter, is if we love one another as family, we won't try and cut one another down. We won't attack each other. We will make sure that any kind of correction comes across as the deepest kind of loving and care for that person, okay? And so, do not rebuke is a blanket statement that covers older men, younger men, older women, and younger women. You'll see that as, it, as, as those verses go on. But let's talk about older men. He says to the older men, he says, do not rebuke, um, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Now, I don't know about you, but the way that I talk to my father is different than the way that I would talk to, say, any other man. And I, I believe that's because of the position 
that he has in our family, um, a position of authority, a position of, you know, he, he raised us, you know, there's, there's respect, um, you know, there, there is, there's an attitude of, of restraint that I would have toward him, uh, an attitude of honor that I, I would want to give toward him, an attitude of humility in the way that I approach him, because he's my father. Just because of his position, I treat him in that way. And what, what he's saying here is that in the church, when it comes to talking to older men, don't, don't just override them because of your position, Timothy. Treat them as you would a father. And that has, you know, we can all learn from that. Okay? So don't try to, don't try to dominate them. Don't try to humiliate them. Don't try to discourage them. No, come to them in love, okay, with, with an attitude of care. And what does he say? He says, encourage them. Or you might have the, the translation might say, exhort him, okay? The strongest way of encouraging someone to do the right thing. And so if your father is doing something that you know is going to lead him in the wrong direction, what would you do as a, as a son? Be like, hey, dad, hey, you know I love you. You know I care for you in the strongest way. Stop doing that. It's going to lead you in the wrong direction, okay? That is what you would do for a father. He's saying, we treat one another like that in the house of God. That's the way we treat each other. Now, he goes on then to talk about younger men, okay? And what does he say? It, it changes a little bit um, to, to younger men. I believe he's communicating, you can be a little bit more direct. He says, younger men as brothers, now, how do, how do brothers relate to each other? If, if, you're like, if you're like me with my brothers, it's, it's basically we, we wrestle each other, okay? And we're still trying to figure out who's the stronger one, okay? But it's not because we're enemies. It's just because we like that kind of rivalry, okay? And um, to, to younger men, what, what Paul is, is communicating is, man, you, you can be more direct with them in a way that's still respectful and shows concern. Um, even though you treat younger men as, as uh, you know, like a, like a rivalry, um, they're not your enemy. They're your brother. You care for them deeply, and that's why you're talking to them, okay? And so when you talk to younger men, treat them as brothers, okay? Um, make sure that, that they know that you love them and you care for them deeply when you talk to them. But um, man, just like you would talk to your brother and encourage them, exhort them, that's what you should do. Be faithful to that, okay? He goes on. He says, older women than as mothers. Now, I want you to notice he didn't say mother-in-laws. <laughs> but in all reality, um, mother-in-laws are mothers as well. And so should be treated with the same kind of respect. Um, whether you're a mother or a mother-in-law or not even a mother, he says older women are to be treated as mothers. How do you come to your mother? How do you care for your mother? Same way you do your father. There, there's probably even more respect, more care, more, more genuineness to the way that you would approach your mother, especially if you knew that something that your mother was doing was going to lead her down the wrong direction. Be like, hey, mom, I really love you. I care about you, man. Stop doing that. I'll, I'll, I'm here with you all the, all the way, okay? My, my love for you does not 
end. You know, you know that as your, as your son. You know that as your daughter, okay? So we should treat older women as we would our own mothers. And then he goes on to say younger women then as sisters. Again, family relationship. But he adds this, which I think is really important. And I think we need to also pay attention to, and I wish our culture would pay attention to, is he says, with all purity. With all purity. Haven't you noticed in our culture there, there is there's such turmoil um, over men, between men and women, trying to dominate each other. And then in culture, we've had, we've had this Me Too movement where younger women or women just in general have been abused by men who have been lording their positions of authority over them and even sexually abusing them. Can I just say that is the opposite of what Paul is communicating should be happening. He says we treat younger women like we do our sister. Okay, what do we do to our sister? We love her. We defend her. We care for her. And it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, you can't be attracted to other women or, or younger women, but it means that you are pure in the way that you go about it and, and that you treat a woman with respect as, as someone made in the image of God, not like an object. And that, that, that is what he, he communicates here. You have care, you have concern, you have respect, you have purity. And notice too, Paul is writing this to, to a pastor. You, you will also notice that even within the church, there have been so many scandals within the church that have uncovered impropriety among pastors and, and, and churches where they've covered up things that have happened that, that have gone wrong in the church where, where people have been abused sexually. Can I just say, we better pay attention to these words because we don't want this to happen here at Valley Church either. Recognizing, man, we're all sinful, we all fail, but man, he's called us to a higher standard. He's called us to love one another as family. And, and so, so how we treat one another is, uh, is also how we, how, we, how, how we see one another impacts the way that we treat one another. Let's think about that. And let's put that into practice here at Valley Church even more, okay? So, number one, we should honor one another as family. As we move on to verses, verse three, let's just look at verse three. Um, the point is in verse three, we should care for one another. We should care for one another. So we should honor one another. Second, we should care for one another. Here's what he says, and he gets specific about a group of people within the church. He says, honor widows who are truly widows. Honor widows who are truly widows. I want you to think about that because in the, in the early church, widows and orphans were the number one priority for them. In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 27, he writes saying, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. So two things visiting orphans and widows. And uh, as strong as these words are, I believe they indicate how important 
this was to the early church and also how important this should be for us, caring for orphans and widows. And I, I just want to highlight something even today with, with our church is that our Radiant Ministry, Radiant Women, has uh, this week launched their, their orphan, orphan um, care. Basically, they want to help foster parents who are taking in orphans into their home. And uh, this week, we had, had an opportunity to serve a family, bringing over a meal, bringing over supplies, and I think they're even collecting things right now for another family, and they're going to keep on doing that. No, we can't help everyone, but this is living out true religion. This is, this is caring for the most vulnerable, for the most weak in our society. Someone has to do it. And so it's the church. It's the church that God says, man, care for those people who are truly in need. This is the orphans. This is the widows. Okay? He goes on, though, to then teach us, how do you know who is actually truly in need? Because just because you're a widow or just because an orphan doesn't mean that you need resources. And so he then teaches us, how do you go about caring for these people in a way that doesn't take advantage of the church? Okay, and that's point number three, as we move on to verses four through six, is that we should not take advantage of one another. We should not take advantage of one another. He goes on to communicate then, how do we do that? How do we as a church care for people that truly have needs and not take advantage of each other? If we could summarize verse three, we would say this, that the widows in need are the widows indeed. The widows in need are the widows indeed. And, um, and then he explains in verses 4 through 16 then how to determine who's actually in need. And who should we put our resources toward to support and care for them. So let's read verses 4 through 8. And let's, let's learn some things as we do. Verse 4 um, begins by saying, But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So as we begin... What we, what we see about this, you know, what, what he talks about, the, the family relationship that's going on, the family of the widow, is basically he's communicating, man, if, if Christianity doesn't work at home, it doesn't work. So, so, so learn to express your following of Jesus. Learn to express the mutual care and concern and compassion in your family first before, the, before it happens in the church. And so that, that's why he communicates, if a believing woman has relatives, okay, if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household. So the priority being 
is that it happens at home first. Family takes care of family. And I think that that's a concept that, that I think we understand, but it doesn't make it easier. Because I'll be honest, I, I know a lot of you, you've really been examples to me and made me really think about, okay, what is this going to look like in our life when, when our parents age? You know, when, 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 when they're going to have needs, just like you're taking care of your parents' needs right now. You're traveling to go see them. Man, you're, you're, you're inviting them into your home to live with you. You're, you're visiting them. You know, you're, you're setting up doctor's appointments for them. You're, you're, you're organizing all their medications. I mean, some of you as family, <laughs> stop pointing at one another. <laughs> some of you as family, man, you, you are examples to us who are younger about how this, what is this really going to look like? Because you've made a lot of sacrifices at this point in your life. Or maybe some of you have already, you know, you've made all those sacrifices and your parents now have passed away. But man, it's been a long road and you've walked with them and you've not given up on them. And what Paul is communicating to you, if, if that is you, is, is and I want to encourage you with this, is God is pleased with you. God is pleased with you. And maybe it's taken you away from being really active in the ministries of the church in those seasons, but you've prioritized what should be the highest priority to you. Before you started meeting the needs of people in the church, you cared for the needs in your family. And, and I think the same thing could be said, and it's tragic in our area, that we even see the opposite happening as well. We see instead of children taking care of their parents, we see the grandparents or the parents taking care of their children's children or continuing to take care of their children, okay? And I, I know those are hard situations and it shouldn't be that way, but as parents or as grandparents, you are doing what you need to to take care of your family. And that is right and that is good, even though it's not the right order. So thank you. Thank you for being faithful to your family, for demonstrating the goodness of God to your children, to your children's children um, in that way. God is pleased with you, okay? That is what I believe is being communicated here um, as, as Paul approaches this. Um, but then he, he also gives a warning in verse 8. Look at, look at that. He says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. What he's describing is someone who, man, they have needs. Their parents, their parents are, you know, are, are aging. They have needs. They've got physical needs. They've got financial needs. And yet the kids are unwilling to help. They don't really care. They don't give a rip. He's saying, if that is you, if that is what you're doing to your parents, you are worse than an unbeliever. Those are strong words. And I think what he's, he's saying is that even people that don't know the grace of Jesus Christ, they know that they're supposed to take care of their family. And so if, if you are in a place where you're like, I don't care, I'm just going to, you know, let them, let them live in poverty and, you know, figure it out on their own, um, 
You're living, leaving them in the nursing home, not visiting them, you know, whatever. You've seen all those situations. He's saying you're worse than an unbeliever. You're not demonstrating the gospel at all. Those are strong words. And so, so, so I want you to just, you know, I don't know where you're at in this whole, you know, cycle of life, but uh, this is something you should be aware of and be preparing for and setting your heart toward, okay, I want to be faithful to God in this season of life where I get, to, I get the opportunity to really love my parents or my grandparents well when they're in, in a place of need. <clears throat> so that's the warning. Um, here's the other thing I, I want to I wanna also say is that um, practically, I believe that these instructions also tell us then how do we care for people that would maybe are, are you know, either within the church or outside the church that come with needs, okay? Obviously, we want to help people who have genuine needs. But this instruction would say, family takes care of family first. And so if you have family members that, are, that have the resources to care for other family members, those resources need to be explored before the church steps in and covers the utility bill or covers a water bill or, you know, pays off, pays for a mortgage or, or whatever it is um, before, because what that does is it takes away resources from the people that truly need it, the widows, the orphans that are truly widows, that are truly orphans. Um, as an example, too, I'll just say we had have someone approach, approach our church that uh, we learned after talking to them, yeah, they have real genuine needs, but they've got four people in the house that still could work, yet are not working. Okay, why should the church step in and put a Band-Aid on something like that? When helping hurts, that's what we call it. Okay, it enables. And that's what, that's what I believe Scripture is communicating. You let family maybe feel some of that pain and help out when they need to do it. If the church needs to come in after that, so be it. But let the family do it first. Okay? Keep on moving, though. Um, read verses 9 and 10. He gives a detailed list. I, I hope you find this list encouraging because it could also be for you what you would say, man, I want to model my life after this. It, it talks about widows specifically, but I don't think that this list should be unique to just widows. It should be for every one of us to aspire to. So keep reading verses 9 and 10. He says, let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, and has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. Man, if you just think about who this, who this person would be in the church, man, you'd think, man, this, this is a woman who really loves God and loves people deeply. And so let's just begin with the first qualification for getting on the list. He says, first of all, it's, it's, a, it's qualification of maturity. You have to be over the age of 60, okay? Now think culturally about this because 60 today doesn't feel like it's that old, okay? Think about that. If you're 60 today, in that culture, 
you'd probably only have a few more years to live. But man, if you're 60 today, you probably have at least 20 more years to live. Praise the Lord, okay? That's awesome, okay? And so I would say that uh, 60 might be a little bit low for today, okay? Now, we're not putting, you know, we're not going to put an age on this, but, but that's what he says. There's a maturity thing that you're at this place physically where your body's worn out, you can't work, and uh, man, it, life is just really tough, man. If you're left as a widow, you don't have a lot of resources back then. Okay, your husband provided, provided for things, and uh, man, if your husband dies, there was not such a thing as life insurance, there was not social security, there was not your pension or your 401k. Uh, I'll be honest today that a lot, of, a lot of widows, money isn't the issue. A lot of widows find themselves in a better place financially after their husband passes away than they were even when they were married. And so oftentimes, really the need of a widow is just, I need people that care. I need people that will just visit me. I need things done around the house. You know, I, I need people to, to help me get to one place or to another, okay? And so if that is the actual need of the widow, that's when we should change our method to meeting those kind of needs, to meeting the genuine needs, not the needs that don't exist. And so, so those things have to be explored, but the first qualification was that of, of maturity, okay? The second qualification was then of fidelity. It said that, that she's been a, a faithful wife, okay? Um, she, uh, having been the wife of one husband. You'll, you'll, you'll recognize that if you go back to the qualification of elder in chapter 3 the husband of one wife, okay? So fidelity, you're an example in your marriage of, you know, of, of God's design that uh, you've, you're, you're not sexually immoral, you're not just moving from one person to the next person to the next person, okay? You're an example in that. Um, the other thing is, is this, Paul doesn't mean that you shouldn't remarry again. Actually, he encourages it. If you're a widowed or if you're a widower, he actually encourages you in verse 14 to remarry, okay? Um, and so, so, like the qualification for elder, I would say that this is a qualification of measuring, have they lived a life of faithfulness to their husband? Are they an example to the church in the way <clears throat> that they lived? Okay, so fidelity. The third qualification is that of charity, that they had a reputation of, of goodness, in the way that they raised their children, you'll see, in the way that they showed hospitality, in the way that uh, she demonstrated the heart of a servant, in the way that she relieved those who are in distress. So again, she didn't just talk about following Jesus. She lived it. And so when it came time for her that she was in a place where she needed help, the church would have no, no problem at all saying, Man, you have been on the giving side all of these years. Let us help you. Let us give to you. Let us meet your needs. That's the kind of person that the church is called to help, to be faithful to. Yes, let's repay her for all that she's done. Okay? Verse 11 through 15, though, let's, let's move on. He's going to talk about younger widows. And um, let's just read those verses again. He says, But refuse to enroll 
younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry. Okay, I just want to pause there. What he's talking about is, is that some women, when their husbands passed away, they made a vow of celibacy, thinking that that was like the spiritual thing to do. Okay? And so don't, don't be like confused that it's wrong to remarry. He's not saying that. He's saying it's wrong to break a vow of celibacy. You don't do that. Okay? And so he's encouraging them. Instead of making a vow like that, um, here, here's what you're to do. Okay? Um, the passions draw them away from Christ. They desire to, to marry, verse 12, and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their form and f- former faith. That's, that's breaking their vow. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going around from house to house, not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. So in other words, I mean, we're not talking about all women here. We're talking about women who have nothing to do, but just be gossips, busybodies, and idle, and causing problems. He's saying instead, man, if, if, if the church is just like giving them money and providing for them that they have no responsibility to go out and work, that's what they're going to tend to do, okay? And men will do that too if they, if they don't have, okay? Idle hands are the devil's playground, aren't they? Okay? And so he's saying it's better for them, he's going to say, to remarry or just get a job. Start working, okay? And that often is the best encouragement that, that we can give to people that will help correct some of the problems that, that they're having in their life or some of the idleness that, that's going on, okay? Keep on moving. So, verse 14, I would have younger widows marry and bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed after Satan. And so again, generally, younger widows, he's encouraging the church, don't add them to the list. Maybe immediately after their husband passes away, they may be like, you know what, I'm never going to marry again. I'm never going, going there. But, um, you know, as, as I think you've witnessed even today, um, people change. Um, and, uh, and sometimes that, that loss, even though it's very difficult right at the beginning, they then again desire that kind of companionship. And so he encourages that. We need that. We were made for that. Um, even, at, even, even at the beginning of creation, God said it's, it's not good that, that they be alone. I'll make a helper, an equal opposite, fit for him to Adam. Adam and Eve, equal opposites. Um, that companionship is, is part of life. It's part of God's design um, and, and uh, the reason for marriage. So he encourages that um, and uh, discourages allowing people that could work to just freeload off of others. Because what does that do? Again, it takes advantage. In family, we don't, we don't take advantage of one another in the family of God. Okay? We respect each other. And so the widows in need are the widows indeed. Let's wrap up with, um, with the last verse, verse 16. Again, an encouragement. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows... Let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. So just as, as a summary, we should honor, we should care for, and we should then not take advantage of one another. And we should treat one another 
as family because that's who we truly are. Two questions I want to leave us with is, um, how are you doing at caring for your earthly family? Can you say you are being faithful to care for your family in a way that would honor God? Um, maybe what it would mean if, if you're younger like, like me is uh, even having those conversations with your parents to just know how you can prepare for the future, what they've done to set themselves up. Just having a knowledge, okay, how, have you set yourself up for retirement? Um, what do you expect from us as your kids? Having conversations with your siblings. I know it might seem premature, but man, if you can set yourself up in a way that can prepare yourselves financially for that, you know, set yourself up to prepare mentally for that, um, I believe that honors God. And so, um, so think about that. Um, how are you doing at caring for your earthly family? But then second, um, how, are, how are we doing at caring for one another in our church family? Can I encourage us? When we see needs, genuine needs, let's be those that meet them. And not wait for the quote-unquote church, okay? Because this is just kind of funny, but people expect the church is going to do it. No, the church is you and I. It's all of us, okay? It's not the pastor. It's not the staff. It's us as a body, as a family. And so if you see genuine needs, let's be active like Radiant has been just, just this past week. Let's meet those needs. Let's be those that care for one another and, and meet the genuine needs within our church body and, and even as it goes, spreads out into our community, all right? Um, to wrap it up, when we do so, we demonstrate the gospel in very tangible ways, don't we? Because what Scripture says is that while we were weak, Christ died for us while we're still sinners. And that is, that is what we demonstrate when we care for the most vulnerable, care for the, for the weakest among us, is that we show that just as Jesus welcomed us into his family, um, that, uh, that we welcome and we care for those in the family of God. And so let's pray. Let's thank God for loving us in that way. And let's ask God to help us love one another that way too. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the, this teaching that you've given us. Lord, that, um, man, some of it just seems like I'm not there right now. But God, it, it really impacts the way that we frame our future and even frame the, our present in the way that we relate to each other, brothers and sisters, fathers, mothers. God, um, we're thankful to be part of a family. We're not alone. Lord, help us in our own families prepare, prepare and uh, be faithful in the moments that you've called us to, to care for one another. Thank you, God, for the example of those that, that have gone before us, caring for their parents and grandparents. God, bless them, encourage them, strengthen them, Lord. It's not easy at times. And God, um, God, for us that, uh, that are maybe preparing for that day, Lord, help us to be wise and um, to, to be like you in the way that we care for our family members. Give us the grace we need in the moments we need it. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace that you met us in our time of weakness. You loved us when we were incapable of making it through ourselves. 
Lord, our sin separated us from you, God. And Lord Jesus, you came and you died for us. You met our need. And so we thank you, God, for that. Thank you for your good grace that meets us every single day. So walk with us, Lord, as we go into our community. God, walk, walk with us, Lord, that we might be your hands and feet. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you were impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.